During this Christmas season, I'm bringing together some of the words about Jesus Christ in the New Testament and coupling them with promises from the Old Testament that are rich and full of looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And we can look at these now on the other side of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection and see the fullness of those promises fulfilled in Jesus. I'll be reading Psalm 116 in its entirety and uh, coupling that with the words of Zacharias that I read in Luke chapter 1. Psalm 116, listen as I read God's word. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I'm your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all of his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. This very child that Mary was carrying even then. And like Mary, Zacharias draws on the scriptures of the Old Testament and in particular the Psalms. He remembers and, and he retells the mighty promises of God that, he is, that are now being brought to pass the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, for Zacharias, this happened at the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And he says of John the Baptist that he would be a forerunner, one who would go before Jesus and announce the coming Messiah. You see that Zacharias understood that John was the, uh, the initiation of this fulfillment of all the promises that he knew so well from the Old Testament. So Zacharias responds by remembering God's promises, and in remembering, he worships. 
But also like Mary, Zacharias very intimately knows those scriptures, and I want to do like I did last week. I want to consider Zacharias' words through the lens of one of the psalms that provides the backdrop for Zacharias' words. You can hear this in a number of different places in Zacharias' words. You can hear God's covenant with Abraham. You might remember that from last week, Psalm 105. Or the horn of salvation, Psalm 18, that we sang earlier. Today, I want to especially emphasize the redemption of God's people and the purpose of that salvation. For God has saved us to serve him. It's that theme that I want to set in front of you. That God has saved us to serve him. You can see that in Zacharias' words where he speaks in verses 74 through 76. We would serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. With that in mind, I want you to see from Psalm 116 how God saves his people. So if you're following along in your Bible, you might have your finger in both places, Psalm 116 and Luke 1, because I'm going to be Flipping back and forth between those passages. Starting in verse one, uh, uh, in Psalm 116, God saves. Listen again to verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. God hears and saves. And don't you, aren't you just drawn along by David's, David's words as he expresses the, the heartfelt appreciation for what God has done. He knows that the Lord has delivered him. And so he, he says that right out. I love the Lord. And I know that he is, is my savior. I cried out to him to deliver my soul, and he has done that. Oh God, I love you for that salvation. Zacharias mirrors that praise when he says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us. There's Zacharias' expression of the very same thing, all of the anticipation of the Old Testament. All of the promises that there would be a Savior who would deliver us from our sins. Not just the physical enemies of this world. Not just the troubles that we have in this life. But the fundamental problem of all of mankind is that we are sinners. And David and Isaiah and the Old Testament promises are all about the coming Savior from sin. And here is Zacharias, now at the birth of his son, having been told that this is the one that Isaiah said would be sent to proclaim, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. This is the one that God had promised, the forerunner to Jesus, the Savior of our souls. And And he is moved to that same sort of joy to cry out to God, the Lord has blessed his people. 
Now, for David, that assurance came from his own experience as well as the promises of God. He describes his life, a life that was full of terrible trial. I've recently preached through 1 Samuel and have come back to 2 Samuel now. He's ascending to the throne, but that's not the end of his troubles, is it? There's still very difficult, life-threatening troubles that David goes through. Or it could be that David is referring to the dark nights of the soul that he suffered. Perhaps in the cave, as Saul was hunting for his life, he may have wondered what God is doing in the midst of this. Has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten the promises? Or perhaps even more deeply moving and deeply personal, it may be that as David was struck to the heart by the Spirit about his sin, his sin with Bathsheba. You might remember that he cries out in Psalm 51, God, do not take your spirit away from me. Forgive my sins. And you can hear that here in Psalm 116 as well, that David understood that his life was full of trouble. That God does not forget his promises, but he saw himself failing over and over again. And so he would cry out to God, deliver my soul. And he knew that the God, that the God of promise always keeps his word. And so could be assured from his own experience that though he did not yet see him fully, that the Lord would indeed send a redeemer. One who would pay once for all for the sins of God's people. Listen to the agony of David. The cords of death surrounded me. The pains of Sheol or of the grave laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. So what did David do in in these dark nights of the soul? Psalm 116, it says that he cried out to God. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Let me make this connection really simply. He believed, so he prayed. He says that directly in verse 10. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. He prayed that God would deliver his body and his soul from death. There is a very important gospel lesson in this for us. The troubles that you face test your soul. They test your faith. The troubles of this life tempt you to retreat from God. They tempt you to become disquieted in soul and in mind, and even to accuse God. You doubt that he is good. You blame him for those circumstances. But because God is faithful, David leads us to press 
deeper into the promises of God, to press deeper into faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe in the midst of these troubles, I believe, and therefore I pray. That gospel lesson is one that Zacharias will, uh, you'll see echoes and mirrors in his prophecy of Jesus Christ. Let's go on in verses 5 through 11 in Psalm 116. There David remembers and tells about God's grace and mercy. He recites the ways in which the Lord did deliver him. God preserved him. He did indeed deliver his soul from death, his eyes from tears, his feet from falling. While it's not a direct quote, Zacharias imitates David's words. There in Luke 1, he says that out of mercy... God has saved us from the hand of all of our enemies, verses 71 and 74. God has secured salvation by sending Jesus to accomplish the remission of our sins, verse 77. And through his tender mercy, God has visited us with the day spring from on high. Talk about rich poetry that Zacharias uses. The day spring from on high, literally the dawn is breaking in the midst of darkness to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. But sweet words Zacharias offers to reflect that God saves. Both David and Zacharias' hearts swell with love for God, for sending the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Are these your words? Oh, how I love the Lord. He has heard my prayers. I've suggested that things that are common can be taken for granted, and you kind of cruise through those common things without thinking. And Christmas time has an element of that. You're familiar with the birth of Jesus Christ. Don't just cruise through this season unthinking about the birth of our Savior. It is indeed the fulfillment of God's promises. God saves If you are in Christ, it's a reason to give thanks. If you are not in Christ, this is an invitation that those dark trials that press on you and disquiet your mind and your heart are pressing you to look for the Savior. They're pressing you to recognize the light of Jesus Christ. He alone is the one who saves us from our sins. He alone has done what we cannot do. He has paid the penalty for our sins by his death on the cross. You do well to remember that from the moment that you were conceived, that you were a slave to sin, that you were bound up in cords of death and of Sheol or of hell itself. And that the only way 
that you can be set free from that. It's through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And if you cast yourself on the mercy of God, the promise is that he will save you to the uttermost. He will deliver your soul from being bound in those chains. In fact, he will set you free from all your enemies, especially that spiritual enemy of your own sin against an almighty God who is holy, holy, holy. God saves. And that is a glorious message, a message that comes through at the birth of Jesus Christ. But there's more. There's more to be said about the salvation of Jesus Christ. And it really draws me to the purpose of my message today, is that he has saved you for a purpose. He has saved you so that you would serve him. So let's think about how this comes through, beginning in Psalm 116. After David reflects and recites God's mercy and his grace, he asks a question. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his kindness to me? In other words, he says, since God has saved me, what shall I do? How shall I live? And he says, in response to that, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Here, you should understand that phrase, to call upon the name of the Lord, as to worship him. Going on, he says, I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. And by these words, David is calling us to serve the Lord, to pursue holiness, the holiness of God in every thought, word, and deed. You see, you are not saved by your own works, but God has saved you for good works. He saved you for obedience so that you would serve him. This is why Jesus was born. He came to save you from sin and its punishment, to save you from those things, but he also came to save you from its power. He saved you so that you would be able to follow after Jesus, that you would want to follow after Jesus, and so that you would genuinely do so, not perfectly, but genuinely pattern your life after Jesus Christ. And that's why David says, I will pay my vows to the Lord. I am your servant, O Lord. I will pay my vows to you in the presence of all of the people. In this way, David orients his life and his service to the Lord, not towards the pleasing of men and women around him, To do that is, in the end, just a sham. Instead, David's obedience and our obedience is in the presence of God himself and oriented to him. It is in the presence of others, and it doesn't neglect a a certain relationship and a duty towards one another. In fact, I'm going to go on to say that that is 
one way that we serve him. We do have concern for one another. In fact, part of our obedience to Jesus means that we will indeed love one another, even as Jesus has loved us, and serve one another, even as Jesus gave himself to serve us. So our obedience does incorporate others, but it is oriented to loving the Lord. What shall I render to him? Worship and obedience to him. This is the point that David focuses on, their allegiance to God. This is why Jesus came. He came to set you free from yourself, from your sin, from your bondage to Satan, doing all things to just please yourself. Instead, he makes, it a- makes you able to be a genuine servant of the Lord. And that's the way that David closes Psalm 116. He speaks about how precious we are to the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In other words, God genuinely cares for you. Child of God, you are precious in his sight. O Lord, says David, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. The first aspect of being saved to serve is to ask and answer that question. What shall I render to the Lord? A heartfelt devotion to him. Now moving into Luke. Zacharias prays God for salvation, much like David did. But then in verses 74 and 75, he speaks about the purpose of that salvation. He saves you so that you would serve him without fear, that you would serve him in holiness and righteousness all the days of your life. If you're following along in the outline, these are the the last three aspects of this saved to serve that I will cover. I'll just take each one of them. We're saved to serve without fear. This goes back to the first point. Because of sin, your conscience, 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 excuse me, your conscience may make you afraid of God. Now, within the Christian life, there, there is a right fear of the Lord. We're even called to fear the Lord. That type of fear has the aspect of reverence and awe for a God who goes beyond all that we can even imagine, his power, his holiness, his love, his justice, they are deserving of awe and reverence. We fear the Lord when we believe and trust in him. What Zacharias is talking about, though, is serving the Lord without, without fear. Where would that fear come from? as I have suggested, we in this life still sin. We still get caught up in our own selfishness. And the 
the darkness in our hearts spills out of our mouths. Anger fills our hands and our activities. Child of God, still sinning. And those sins can make you afraid, may cause you to worry about the truth of your own conversion. Perhaps there have been times where you look at your life and you, and you say, am, am I really a Christian? How could I do this? How can God forgive me again? But God is full of grace and mercy. Because of Jesus Christ, you may worship him without fear. Because of Jesus, you can seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Because of Jesus, you can set your mind on things above, not on things of this world. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You may serve him without fear, because he saves you for that purpose. You may also serve him in holiness. Here's another really foundational concept that runs throughout all of Scripture. God is holy, holy, holy. We usually define holiness as being set apart from sin and being set apart to God. And the word that is usually used, the predominant word, is that, is that concept of being set apart from and being set apart to Zacharias uses a different word here. It's a word that's not used very often in the New Testament. And in this context, it's referring to those who are pledged to obedience to God. Here you can catch that idea of being set apart unto God. But that, that, that aspect of, of obedience to God is going to be coupled with righteousness, serve him in, in holiness and righteousness, and the two words, as, a, as one commentator points out, refer to our obedience to God, loving him with heart, soul, strength, and mind. Does that sound familiar? That's the first and greatest commandment, as Jesus summarizes and righteousness is the loving of your neighbor as yourself. So what Zacharias brings here together is both tables of the law. Verse 4, commandments are devotion to God and to God alone. There is only one God. We will not make images you shall not take his name in vain. You shall honor his day. And in holiness, we serve the Lord, loving him, honoring him, loving him with heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
and our neighbors as ourselves. Think of how glorious this is. That the holiness that refers to God and the righteousness that applies to others, you shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, lie, covet, and so on. Jesus summarizes those well and sets you free to accomplish both of these. Once you were darkness, says Paul. Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. This is what Jesus' birth is about. Jesus came to save you from your sins. And your salvation sets you free to live a life devoted to holiness and righteousness. Calvin puts it this way. I will serve God in faith. I will call upon him with a pure heart and make it my aim to exalt him. There's the holiness. And the redemption won for Christ by by Jesus leads us to serve him first by dedicating ourselves to him as a sacrifice. And second, we render what we owe to one another. Again, think of how glorious this is. What were you once? You do well to remember where you have come from. Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 2 as, as uh, being dead once in your trespasses and sins. Is walking according to the course of this world as being under the power of the prince of the air. You do well to remember from whence you came. That's who you were. But as the gospel says, you are now free from all of that. Think of David's words again. The cords of death entangled me. I was bound to Satan himself. But God has loosed your bonds, setting you free to love him and to love others. So I'll close today by asking you a question. How will you live in light of the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, ask the question that David did. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his kindness to me? Live without fear, believing in Jesus, that he is indeed your Savior. That's why he came. Serve in holiness, there's a purpose to your salvation. Dedicate to knowing and loving and honoring God in all areas of life. And live in righteousness. Dedicate to living with others as as a child of God. Jesus was born to bring salvation. And he has saved you so that you might serve.
Amen. Let's pray. God, we truly have been those who were living in darkness. We can say, along with David, that our hearts were wrapped up in the chains of death and Satan himself. Because of that, O Lord, we were destined to judgment forever and ever. But the light of all the world has come. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has been born to save us from our sins, to set us free from Satan's power. So, O Lord, as those who have been redeemed, I pray that we would look upon Jesus with reverence and fear, the type of fear that is awe, and that we would love you and serve you without being afraid, that you would go back on your promise to forgive our sins, or that you might get tired of us. Said, O Lord, I pray that you would assure us that we are indeed forgiven because of the birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and mediation of our Savior Jesus. O God, I pray that we would serve in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. This is why you came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you sing Psalm 116b, let it be your own profession. You'll ask that question, what shall I render to the Lord? And David answers, and Zacharias answers, and let this be your answer as well. I will serve the Lord. Serve him without fear, holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. Let's stand and sing Psalm 116b.